The Daily Rios for Tuesday, September 11th, 2012. TV Tuesday. I've done caught up with a few more episodes of Smallville and Batman the Animated Series. Just wanted to give some quick thoughts about what I've watched. First up, Smallville Season 7, Episodes 4 through 6. This was like meta Smallville, these three episodes. Mostly because they featured two actors who have appeared in some kind of Superman-related other media type thing, either a TV show or movie. Then you had one episode that really was about the Superman character, the essence what he brings to people, what he brings to comics, etc. So uh, this, these three episodes, uh, watching them back-to-back, were actually really interesting in, in those terms. First up, we had episode four, which is called Cure, and this features Dean Kane as uh, Dr. Curtis Knox, and his initials were CK, and they were very quick to point that out as an homage to his time as Superman and Clark Kent on Lois and Clark from the 90s TV show. So he was a doctor that claimed that he could cure meteor freaks. Uh, of course, that all came with some kind of trapping, right? There was some memory loss. We found out that the Dean Kane character of Curtis Knox was working with Lex. Then eventually we find out that there's a, ultimately there's a bigger secret in that Knox is harvesting meteor freaks, uh, harvesting their organs to help keep his comatose wife alive. We learn that he's long-lived. He wants his wife to always be with him. He's tired of all his loved ones dying, and he just keeps on living because he's immortal. And more and more as I'm watching this, I'm going, boy, this is if this isn't a Vandal Savage riff, I don't know what else it could possibly be. And it turns out that that's what it was, and for some reason they couldn't use Vandal Savage, the name. But He's totally playing a Vandal Savage character from the DC Comics, where Vandal Savage was this caveman who gets struck by a meteor, and the energies of that meteor turns him into basically an immortal man, and he lives through various ages, and it's rumored that he was various historical figures like Genghis Khan or whatever. And Dean Cain plays up to that, the script plays up to that. Um, So even though they never really mention that... Vandal Savage, Knox in the show, claims that he's been around for centuries. It's a great little bit of, of, of DCU continuity, especially for people who know it. And then there's the whole angle of having a Superman alumni once more make it onto Smallville. We have Annette O'Toole, who plays Ma Kent. She was Lana, Lana Lang, in the third Superman movie. We, of course, had Christopher Reeve. Made several appearances on the show. Terrence Stamp as Jor- as the voice of Jor-El. Terrence Stamp playing Zod in Superman 2. And we've had Margot Kidder, who was Lois Lane in the movies. And she played uh, a character called Bridget Crosby. I know there are going to be a f- there's a few more. But I've always wanted Gene Hackman to come on to Smallville and play Lex Luthor's grandfather. Maybe in a flashback sequence, it's been established on Smallville that Lionel killed his own parents. It's alluded to that, and and I don't know if it was ever really proven, but maybe in a flashback you could have Gene Hackman play 
the grandfather of Lex Luthor, or maybe he even returned somehow, you know, and he never really died in the first place. That, that just would have been brilliant. Someone of Gene Hackman's caliber on Smallville, continuing that whole alumni legacy thing, boy, that just would have been great. Now, there are two things that I took away from this episode, and that also continues on in later episodes. First, this whole idea of an immortal being outliving his loved ones. This is something that is an idea that is starting to shape between Clark and Lana and will especially play out in next episode. And secondly, Lex is getting more intent on having this idea that there's this menace to humans coming. Whether it's the meteor freaks, whether it's aliens, something otherworldly, not of this earth. Uh, it was it touched on a little bit in last season, and it's really starting to, to hone itself in this uh, season. And we'll see that play out in other episodes as well. Next up, we had episode five, which was called Action, in what I took right away as clear reference to the comic that had Superman's first appearance in 1938, Action Comics number one. It could also mean lights, camera, action, because there is a movie that is being filmed in Smallville based on what I assume is the biggest superhero in comics in the Smallville universe. It's not Superman, obviously, because the whole Smallville story is about Superman. But in comics, and it has been shown that Lex Luthor was a big fan of this comic and this character, there's this character called Warrior Angel, and the movie is being made, and there's a leading lady called Rachel Davenport that comes in to Clark's life because he rescues her, and it's pretty hilarious. She's such a bad actress. Uh, it looks to be like a horrible movie. <laughs> if we were to actually see Warrior Angel, I don't think it would be a great movie. Now, within this movie, there's this whole... If you've ever seen Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalama Bing Bang, it has this whole idea of the villain trying to find his place in the world, and the way he does that is trying he tries to find the hero that matches him. And that's kind of what this is here. Not only in the movie that is being made, but because the movie is starting to stray from whatever it is the comics show, there's this uh, PA or this guy working on the movie, and he's trying to kill off the lead actress because that's what that's how it happens in the comics. The, the hero's loved one dies, and he becomes the hero. So he's trying to make it realistic in the movies. So there's this whole line that Lex Luthor quotes from the comic, I think even to Clark, where he says, when you're destined to save mankind, you're destined to be alone. And there it is again, that theme of the season. You're destined to be alone. You're destined to outlive the ones you love. This whole thing between Clark and Lana. And it makes me believe this has to be the season that Lana leaves. Because I know that happens in Smallville continuity, and I wonder if this is where it's all going to lead to, even though they're kind of in a relationship now, is that the thing that's going to tear them apart? As I said before, there's a killer on the loose, and he's trying to kill the main actress, and then he discovers that Clark has power, so then he tries to kill Lana Lang in an effort to make him, make Clark this hero that he should be for the world. And there's a scene where they're trying to track down this killer, and Clark brings a comic to Chloe, to try to track down its original purchaser and, and where it, what store it came from. And I, wow, was that stretching the truth. I mean, I, I don't... 
I don't know how that is possible with a regular comic, but they, they made it happen. So that was really weird. There was an interesting scene in a comic store where we saw some JSA action figures, Our Man, Sandman, Starman, Dr. Fate. There were others I've seen listed on some Wikipedia sites. I didn't quite catch them in my initial viewing of the episode, but obviously they must be there. I just think the whole thing of seeing these JSA action figures now is just cool because we know that there eventually there will be a JSA episode on Smallville way down the road. So everything works out. Clark saves Lana in a way that I wondered. It almost seemed to suggest that it was the first time that she really saw Clark in action saving her. Clearly saw him using his abilities with her right there. It was a great little moment. And eventually it wraps up into this whole thing where Lana says, you know, what if the world could use you, Clark? What if what if you are for the world? Almost pushing in this I again, this idea that Clark is Clark and Lana are number one, fated not to be together, and that Clark is fated to have a destiny that is larger than himself. And it's also a very Spider-Man thing, because in the end of the episode, the actress in the in the Warrior Angel movie, Rachel Davenport, she, because Clark was her hero, she gives him a gift. And we don't see the gift until the end of the episode where Clark is walking away to his, you know, to his home. And he has left the gift hanging on a fence. And it turned out to be a red cape. And it's just sitting there blowing in the breeze. And it is incredibly reminiscent of... Spider-Man throwing his costume in the trash can and just walking down the alley. That was seen in a comic book, I think, in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 50. And it was also done in the movie where he just literally just trashes his costume and he just walks away and you see the back of him. And you kind of got that same image here. Uh, Although this one, instead of being someone walking away from his destiny, it almost feels like he's just getting a step closer to being Superman than ever before. It's a great little nod for those of us who are looking for it, and it's the one I. It really kind of speaks to why I'm watching these episodes again for for those moments. The episode wasn't bad. In fact, all these three episodes wasn't. They weren't horrible. I've, I'm actually liking this season much more than I did uh, season six, probably because it has a lot more to do with Superman and it's pushing the mythos of Smallville. Even if it's different from the comics, it's pushing what they are trying to do, and I I, I enjoy that. I appreciate that. And then we get episode six, called Lara. And here we go. Helen Slater as Tom Welling's mom in Smallville. Awesome. Helen Slater played Supergirl in the Supergirl movie. She's now playing Lara, uh, the wife of Jor-El here in Smallville. And we see her very plainly. And we learn a lot about Kara, uh, who, who is Supergirl in the Smallville universe. Uh, we learn about Martian Manhunter, Zor-El. We learn about Kandor, Krypton's past, the destruction of Kandor. And it's another push of the Superman mythos. And we learn that that crystal that Supergirl has had in this whole season uh, actually is imbued with the DNA of Lara, with, with the, the DNA of Clark's mom. And he, he has the crystal at the end. It was stolen away by the government, and in this episode she gets it back, or I should say Clark gets it back. And we learn that both Kara and Lara were on Earth and had visited the Kent's home in 1986, and that was the reason why they sent 
Clark to Earth to these parents specifically because they had been researching them. We already know from previous seasons that Jor-El had come to Earth decades before and that other Kryptonians had come to Earth. And now we're starting to see all of those things start to gel and come together. While Kara and Lara are in the Kent home, we also learn that Kara is the one that is responsible for naming Kal-El. They were coming, trying to come up with a name, and she said, why don't you name him Cal after, uh, I guess in, in Smallville it means distant star. In the comics, I believe it means star child or, ch- or child of the star. So there you go. There's a little bit, small, little bit of a small, Smallville continuity. And we also learn kind of the truth of Kara's dad, Zor-El, who is Jor-El's brother, in that in the Smallville universe, Zor-El wanted Lara. He had this lust for her. And it's really kind of creepy. There's <laughs> a creepy moment where he's practically almost throwing himself onto her. And that's the reason why the crystal has Lara's DNA is because Zor-El created it, I guess, for himself. Maybe he wanted to create a Lara for himself. It's really... that. I don't know if I enjoyed that as much in the Smallville continuity. I thought it was a little icky. This episode also goes forward in pushing the idea of Lex believing that there's a threat to Earth because of this, because of the aliens. He comes to the, the government uh, program called Starhawk, who had the crystal, who had Kara's ship, I, I believe, and who at one point even kidnapped her, kidnapped Kara in this episode, and, and said... Uh, you know, this whole thing about the, the there's an invasion coming. So that's the thing going on with Lex right now. He's getting a little bit closer and closer to the truth of Clark and Kara and, and these aliens. But perhaps the greatest thing in this episode was, was the whole passing of the torch of Helen Slater uh, passing on, her being Supergirl in the movie, passing it on to uh, Laura Vandervoort, I guess her name is, uh, who's playing Kara. And it's just really great seeing these two actresses who have played the same character face-to-face. You had it when Ma Kent and Lana Lang first met in the Smallville universe, Annette O'Toole and Kristen, Kirsten Crook. When they first had their first scene, it, you know, boom, there it was. Lana Lang meeting Lana Lang, Tom Welling meeting, meeting Christopher Reeve, Tom Welling meeting um, Dean Cain, and the other aspect of that was when Margot Kidder was on the show and she had a scene with Ma Kent. You had Margot Kidder and Annette O'Toole from the Superman movies. I think they had maybe one or two scenes at the end of Superman 3. But, God, that those moments I really are what make me live for this Smallville stuff. It's why I'm watching it. God, it's so good, so powerful. So these three episodes, just really great back-to-back I'm really glad I watched it. I don't know where it's going to go. It seems like this is the next jumping on point uh, in in the story, right? We have Clark now has the crystal. Who knows where that's going to push with the whole Smallville, Kryptonian, S- Superman continuity. Uh, and there's some more stuff going on with Lana and Lex and all that, blah, blah, blah. And Chloe and Jimmy, which I don't, I could care less. Uh, and, and Lois herself hasn't really even been around that much, but... Still, you know, I, I'm liking this episode so far. Not the best season by far, but certainly better than season six. What a treat it is catching up on these Batman animated series episodes. I've seen two more episodes 
one called On Leather Wings and another one called Heart of Ice. Again, watching them in order of the way they were aired, not the way they were produced. So what I'm watching is basically episode two and three, even though On Leather Wings is technically the pilot episode and the episode that they created to show studio execs what this series could be all about. On Leather Wings features Man Bat. Heart of Ice features Mr. Freeze. We get a ton of Batman stuff going on in these episodes. Harvey Bullock makes an appearance. Harvey Dent makes an appearance, voiced by Richard Maul. On Leather Wings, Alfred is not voiced by the usual voice actor, so it sounds really strange, but he gets the voice actor for Heart of Ice, so then all is good. We see the Batmobile. We see Batman versus the Policeman in On Leather Wings, which is such a Batman thing, and it's done very well, and it has little flashes of connection to things like year one and even these later movies by Christopher Nolan, you know, even it just, it, it's really eerie how that idea Batman versus the police is so strong in the Batman mythos. So that was really cool. The man bad episode was fun. It felt very dark noir, like, like the thing that they're trying to push and, it's trying to steer you into thinking that Man Bat is somebody else, but then, of course, if you know the, the Batman uh, continuity or history of his rogues gallery, you know who Man Bat is, and turns out to be Kirk and Fra- uh, Kirk Langstrom, of course, uh, and he's uh, voiced by Mark Singer, the Beastmaster. Very interesting. Rene Abujunwar, however you say his name, uh, he played Odo on Deep Space Nine. He was on the show Benson. He is a fantastic voice actor, so he made a voice appearance here in a, in a smaller role. And it was good. It was a good episode. It uh, was fairly straightforward, but as a pilot, it seemed to work. There was some humor going on between Batman and Alfred. There's even a time where, even though Batman is in full Batman, co- in his full Batman costume, he's doing Kevin, he's doing Bruce Wayne's voice. Kevin Conroy is doing the Bruce Wayne voice. Really kind of interesting. He even one point answers the phone and says, hey, what's up, Doc? It's, a, it's just really kind of a fun episode when you watch it to think that this was the first one they, pr- they produced and what they were going for and what they were trying to push and that it would work, that it would absolutely work. And then I read on one of the Wikipedia sites that the opening of this episode where there's a police blimp in the sky and you see the shadow of the man bat and then you also, he kind of flies by the blimp and you see the shadow of him on some buildings that little sequence was mirrored in one of the Justice League Unlimited episodes called Epilogue because they thought at the time that that was going to be the last episode and then it turned out that they were going to do like another season or two. So when the Batman Beyond character at the end of that episode flies off into the sky, it's kind of a reverse of this beginning episode where he flies by a, by a blimp, you see his shadow against the wall, and it was kind of a way to put a, uh, a bookend to the DC Animated Universe, from the first episode of the DC Animated Universe continuity to what they thought at the time was going to be the last episode. So I thought that was really kind of cool. By the way, in the credits, I saw listed under characters design, one of the names was Kevin Nolan. I don't know if you know who Kevin Nolan is, as a penciler, as an inker in comics, he's fantastic. Uh, but seeing his name there certainly makes sense uh, in terms of character design. I don't know what character he designed or 
if it was just he was part of a team. But his style, I could see that. I could see it working along uh, with what, what else was going on with the Batman animated uh, series. With episode three, Heart of Ice, and what I've read of the episode, apparently this is a favorite among Batman animated viewers. I don't know if it was the story, the way it was told. It does have this kind of noir morality tale feel to it, but apparently it is one of the favorites among Batman animated fans. It's uh, an episode that was directed by Bruce Timm from a story by Paul Dini, the first of the first episode to do so in the series. Perhaps that has something to do with it. Mark Hamill plays a little role in it as Ferris Boyle, the guy that owned the company that eventually would turn Mr. Free- Victor Freeze into Mr. Freeze. So he's playing a villain, even though he's not playing the Joker. We get to see Arkham Asylum. In the character's design credits, we see the names Mike Mignola and Dan Reba. Alfred has the voice that... I've come to know Alfred as in this in this episode, which is really good. I, I enjoyed the episode. I uh, maybe I have to see other episodes to see where I would place this one. I di- it didn't hit me initially as as a strong episode. I guess maybe that's because I haven't seen all the other ones. So we'll see what happens. But apparently, this is a fan favorite. I'm really curious to read the latest Batman annual now because Mister Freeze plays a part in that annual. I guess they take a look at his origin this episode does the same thing so it'll be interesting to see how that connects now with the new dc52 version of the character and then it's kind of a funny way the the episode ends chicken soup saves the day batman's sick in the episode he's coughing and sneezing and he has this chicken soup that he pulls out from who knows his armpit that alfred gave him earlier in the episode and that saves the day in, in a very funny way so you have to watch it but i enjoyed it it's fun watching this series build and, and exciting just to know that uh, I'm looking at it with a different mind, you know, instead of watching it back then, whether I've seen these episodes or not, because I can't remember, I'm, I'm thinking I've never seen these episodes so far. I wasn't thinking of it at the time as being a continuous thing, right? Now that I know it has 20 years worth of history since it's celebrating its 20th anniversary, uh, what, I think it was September 6th, I think the anniversary was, now I'm looking at it in hindsight, especially because I've seen all the Justice League episodes, so I kind of know where that story goes, so I'll be able to see what plays into those series from this series, and then eventually from the Superman series. So, Batman animated series, two more episodes done. Uh, looking forward to jumping into more. On Paradise Island, home of the eternally young and beautiful Amazons, Hippolyta, queen and ruler of the island, molds a young girl out of clay under the guidance of Athena, goddess of wisdom. How beautiful. I love this little girl as if she were my own. Oh, Aphrodite, goddess of beauty and love, grant my wish and let me have this one as my daughter. You shall have your wish, Hippolyta, and she shall be named after the moon goddess and called Diana. And so Diana was born of the gods. You know, since we talked about Superman, we talked about Batman, I guess I should talk about Wonder Woman. There was a story released that there's the possibility of another attempt at a Wonder Woman TV show. It would be called Amazon, and it would roughly reflect the structure of, say, something like Smallville, where it would take a look at Diana as a young woman before she ever became Wonder Woman, and it is said that it is being written by Alan Heinberg, who actually wrote 
Wonder Woman for about, what, seven issues or something like that? But they were good issues. It was when Terry Dotson was the artist, and it was right after uh, Infinite Crisis, and it was good. God, it was it was such a good series, and I wanted it to be great. But for some reason, the scheduling was all off. And so maybe this is his another attempt at uh, working with the character. He had an understanding of the character back when I read those comics, so maybe this is something where he gets to work from the ground up, and it'll be interesting to see what he could do with that. He is also the writer of Young Avengers over at Marvel, so he has his chops when it comes to working with superhero comics and working with superhero concepts. If he can capture that magic, maybe the show might work. It certainly can't be as bad as the uh, other pilot that was made that was just dreadful. I mean, it was just dreadful. Was it David Kelly, I believe? It it was horrible. I've seen people review it online and said, you know what, it wasn't that bad. I, you know, I just want to take their credibility away because it was bad. It was really bad. I don't even mean it was bad because you could see the wire work and the special effects weren't done. I, I understood that. I took that all into consideration. It was bad because it was bad. Bad writing, bad acting, very subpar. This series, who knows? This is just all speculation at this point. I have no idea what it'll come out to be. We'll just have to wait and see. I just thought it was an interesting tidbit for those people who didn't know that, yes, once again, they're trying to do uh, another Wonder Woman TV show. And it also was announced, this isn't necessarily TV-related, but it was announced that uh, Why the Last Man, the movie, is being put on the front burner again. And I, I just go, you know, that should have been a TV show. I mean, doesn't Walking Dead teach you anything? If Walking Dead could be so successful because it is a serialized TV drama of a serialized comic book, you would think why The Last Man would do the same thing. I don't know. Is it, Are they afraid that it's too many female actors and not enough male actors? I, I don't get it. I don't get why they, uh, why they're having, why they would think that would make a better movie than a TV show, but who knows? I, I don't. I don't pretend to understand their thinking. Uh, speaking of Walking Dead, Season 3 is coming out soon, so I'm sure I'll take a look at that as well on these episodes. But uh, for now, that's it for TV Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, peter at thedailyreels.com. Send me an email, send me a comment on the website, or subscribe through iTunes, and you can certainly leave a comment on there as well. All right, I will see you tomorrow.